Len. Yes. How was your weekend? It was pretty good. Had a holiday party on Saturday. You threw a party that I really wanted to go to, and I couldn't make it because babies. Baby. Baby, yeah, well. It's very stressful hosting a party. I had 30, like, two-sentence conversations, and then, like, somebody else walked in I had to talk to. And I think I left, like, 10 conversations in mid-sentence. I felt really bad. I think all guests understand that. That's the job of the host. It was fun, though. Nice. And then Sunday, I just ate all the leftovers and felt gross. Mm. How was your weekend? Uh, Mine was good. I don't think I have anything notable to say. Chores. Um, Friday, though, I paired with somebody in Go, uh, an old coworker of mine. We remote paired in some Go. That was fun. What are you working on? Uh, it was a emoji weather command line thing. So you type in this command, emoji weather, and it somehow knows where you are and talks to forecast.io and gets your weather icon as emoji. So the uh, desire for this was to put it in my either tmux status bar in the top left or every time I open a new terminal tab to print out the weather. And right now it says it's cloudy, but it's actually raining, so something's broken. What kind of weather is the poop emoji? Oh, I, we didn't use that, but we should. Should be like <laughs> oh, it's really hot. Yeah, it's like eighty degrees in sleep. That should be poop. Is it possible? Probably not. <laughs> Pam, what's new with you? Uh, I'm working on iOS stuff. Oh, really? I learned Swift. Oh, cool. And that's the blog post that I didn't write last week that I should have written. But I'm overdue for a blog post now, and so I try and write a blog post every week. Um, except for I do take holidays off. So I took off the week of Thanksgiving, but then I also took last week off. So I'm behind. But Switch feels disturbingly like typed JavaScript. Mm. Yeah. Disturbingly? Some, I mean, I felt like when I read about Swift coming out, some people talked about it in the context of Ruby. Uh, but maybe that was because I heard it from Ruby people. But it really feels like typed JavaScript. Hmm. So it feels very familiar writing it. And at least some of the patterns really follow what happens when you write object-oriented JavaScript. What are you making in Swift? I'm working on the Apple Watch thing. Oh, really? Oh, mm-hmm. nice. A Apple Watch thing or the Apple Watch thing? Oh, this is for work. I mean, I don't think it's a the... I don't think I'm going to make the uh, only Apple Watch app, Javon. Well, you said you phrased it weird. You're like... Well, because it's kind of like a, it's a like side thing, kind of, okay. yeah. Oh. So it's not... But it'll be interesting. Uh, I have another Go program called Tmux Pomodoro, which just displays in the command line your Pomodoro status, and it keeps it in a dot file in your home directory the time that your Pomodoro ends. And sometimes I'll command tab out of my terminal into you know GUI land, and I've been thinking about using Swift to write a uh, OSX Pomodoro client that reads and writes the same file, so I could see my Pomodoro status when I'm not in the terminal as well. So I may ask I may ask for your help shortly. Jerron <laughs> and I wrote Go last Thursday too. Made a phone book. I think the more interesting thing is we're talking about Haddonfield, oh. which is a pretty town. It is a nice town. Oh, how was your vacation, Jerron? It was pretty good. Yeah, I support taking vacations. You come back a new man or a new person. I didn't do anything spectacular. I just stayed home. We paired and we had Korean hoagies. So that was pretty spectacular. Yeah, yeah. Korean hoagies? Yeah. Uh, this? So there was a place in Cherry Hill called the Dulcet House. It used to be called Sammy Chan's K-Town Barbecue. And you get a uh, kogi, a Korean hoagie, which is a sarcones roll, which is a famous roll in Philly, with some kind of Korean slaw and then marinated beef or, I guess, veggies in some cases on it. And then there's a, like a white sauce. I'm not sure what it is, but it's really good. Probably mayo. It's- 
No, so it's, it's like uh, a, yeah. So it's a Korean bami. Uh, yeah, kinda. And Justin was like, "Let's get a five. It's not that spicy. It's not that spicy. I don't know why you can't handle the heat." <laughs> do you do anything fun on Saturday, Pam? Well, we went to try and get vegan donuts and code and coffee at Ultimo, and I there was no vegan donut, and I read a book. <laughs> so, but, are you still reading Go to Usherbach? Yeah, and I think I just need to buy myself a copy because I don't think I'm going to finish it by this due Friday at the library. Oh. And I am not far. Uh, inspired by that episode, I bought I Am a Strange Loop because I couldn't find Good Old Escherbach on Kindle. It is not available on Kindle. Apparently, Hofstadter like, hates the idea of digital books and thinks they're evil. Uh, I Am a Strange Loop is probably only on digital book because you wrote it in the 2000s and it was probably unacceptable to not agree to an ebook deal. <laughs> but he resi- what I read is that he resists distributing I Am a Strange Loop digitally. There are free PDFs online, and by free, I mean pirated. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, they show up on Google when you search for Go to Escherbach. Okay. So you can try that. I just when Sometimes when you take PDFs and read them on Kindle, the formatting gets weird, you know? Yeah. I only read the uh, the prologue or the prelude or whatever it's called. Uh, and he, in that, he said that in Godel Escherbach, he felt like he was trying to convey some uh, idea that got lost. Mm. And in I Am a Strange Loop, he's trying to re- reiterate that idea. I thought he was just trying to get a book deal when his last book was 30 years ago. <laughs> Could be that, too. Uh, but it was pretty interesting so far, even just the intro. So I'm looking forward to reading more of it. How, how far are what percentage? Like 100 pages. I don't have a percentage. It's a not digital book. You mean physical books don't tell you your reading time? At the bottom, yeah. They don't tell me how many hours I have. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty stone age. File bug report. Yeah. I've been doing a lot of audiobooks lately. How's that? I quote-unquote read Gone Girl. It's good. I just I always hate that I'm a bit embarrassed that I admit to like reading audiobooks. Quote <laughs> I unquote watch reading. Are you feel Yeah, I feel like I didn't actually read it, so I'll like quote a book that I read and feel weird about it. You're still you're still reading. You're still, you know, getting the content. Yeah. Like I, I don't really read non technical books ever. So I am a strange loop is like the most non programming book I've read in a long time. I usually read like nonfiction books on audio format. Because fiction is uh, troubling, because if you actually get engrossed, then you want to just keep listening. Um, like for a series? Yeah. Like, or like Gone Girl is getting really dramatic, and I'm like, shit, I need like more things to clean. I was playing some Geometry Wars while listening to Gone Girl. <laughs> it didn't require a lot of concentration. Speaking of audiobooks, uh, I started listening to Serial. Oh, yeah? Uh, I'm like, I'm halfway through. I got through like episode five. There's, I think there's ten out so far. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh in the sense that I'm engrossed. <laughs> so what's the topic today? So Pam picked the topic. Wait, how did I pick the topic? <laughs> I didn't pick the topic. I asked yesterday and group me what the topic was. Right. And it, I just reiterated what we decided last week, which was what we decided weeks ago. Oh, I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, yeah that's what happens I, when you don't pay attention <laughs> to the back channel. Just shit sneaks I'm, up on you. This has happened I'm, to me for various topics. Whoever Justin, picked it. What? What were you saying? Oh, I was going to say, I, I think that I picked it or Pam picked it in GitHub. Because we had a list of issues that came from somewhere. Somebody had the idea. And then we just got to pick one and do it. So the topic is writing software your entire career, right? And not going yeah. into management. So Right. Well, before I say that, I, I will say that, Len, if you don't want to work on a topic, if you don't want to record a topic and get up issues, you should probably close the issue. It just snuck up on me. I wasn't prepared to uh, talk about it. That's all. 
I want to talk about it because I think it's interesting that we're in a career, we're writing software, but I feel like most people think you should graduate out of writing software. You shouldn't actually write it when you're 40, 50, 60. We're not like alone in that though, our industry. Like if you're a chef, like you, you're probably, if you're a good chef, you, you might be expected like by your peers to eventually like open multiple restaurants or like hire people under you to run the restaurant for you or I don't know. Um, or it seems like any career, if you're like moving up the ladder, eventually you're going to get into a management position, which is maybe why software is expected that you're going to do the same thing, even though you might not want to. I bet this like has more parallels with like design or creative uh, careers than anything else. You think so? Yeah, because like the the issue with well, I, I would say the um, the tension in like writing software your entire career is that you are doing something that you really enjoy and that is an outlet for you and somebody's expecting you to move up the chain so that you can no longer do that thing, right? But I feel a creative would be like, I want to do this forever. This is why I'm doing this. Right. I think part okay. of why it's expected in software is that people don't see it as creative, so they think it, you could just replace yourself. And you're just doing like paperwork on a computer, and then eventually you want to not do that and have somebody else do it for you? Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was trying to get at. You wouldn't expect like Stephen King to manage like an office of horror book writers, right? <laughs> I like that. I just, I, I mean, I'll probably end up in a management inevitably because of the inevitable float of time, but I get really annoyed by the, oh, I don't, you know, I don't make anything. I just enable people who make things and that that's like somehow better than actually doing something. <laughs> I would think that the opposite is true, that it's actually better to be able to do something than to, you know, be the enabler who fills out paperwork. Yeah, and it, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the enabler if they truly are doing that. Why do you think that, Pam? You're going to end up in management? Because people who make decisions aren't software engineers mm. anymore. If I want to control like a billion dollars and decide how that billion dollars get spent making things, I have to not be a software engineer. <laughs> That's just the way it is. Pam's going to be an architect and she's going to tell us what to do. Oh, I, I hate that idea of architects of being the people who tell people what to do, too. But do you see yourself if you were... And architects don't usually get to spend the money. If you ended up in like a management position, do you see yourself still writing code on a regular basis? Maybe. Either, either for work or not for work? I so mean, I, maybe, but I used to be a musician and I don't play as much anymore. Mm. What did you play? I play oboe. Oh, cool. But I also I had to stop because of RSI, but... I can get back into it. Plus, I only like to I like to play when I'm in an ensemble, so it's restricted a bit by being in an ensemble. Mm. I feel like managers and architects who don't code have like a limited shelf life. Like when they get in that position, they have potential to be good. But I feel like if they're off the out of the field for a few years, then you know they're not really going to have a good insights into what's actually going on. So well, heard so they have to keep up by doing like side projects and stuff. Good managers do that. Well, yeah, so, like, going into management doesn't mean, like, you're inherently bad at it. Like, you can do the same things you do to become good at developing software. Um, you, you could spend the time learning to be a better manager of people, technical people. And I, I think that, like, having a technical background usually means that your uh, people you coach, I would say, uh, will see you as better in their eyes than if you were just, uh, I guess, just like a like an MBA graduate. Um yeah, I guess the tension we're talking about too here is that like in a lot of companies or situations, like you can't make more money unless you move into like a management position. Right. I I, I mean, I, I guess don't. I don't think of it as about money as about power. Mm. That especially with consulting, 
doing software, you can make a shit ton of money. Yeah. Like, that's just, yeah, you totally can. And you can make a shit ton of money, like, doing things like that or, you know. And you can still make like decisions. doing products and things like that. Yeah. Did, did any of you ever watch the Lost Architecture talk from Uncle Bob? Yes. Lost Architecture? So there are two versions. It was Architecture. Does it have an years. unsatisfying Okay. Ending? There are two versions, right? Does he cover older people in software in the Confreaks version, Justin? Uh, no, I don't think so. So he re- we recorded it. He basically goes on a rant about um, older people being in software and that every so often like the amount of people writing software increases and it's only young people and then we're getting rid of all the older folks who have all the experience. So basically it's always newer people writing software and that's bad for the industry. Oh, I'm pretty yes. sure I've seen him rant on another talk too about this. Yes, now that you, yes, he did say that. Okay, so I'm not crazy. Um, do you remember any of it? Because <clears throat> well, so, so, like it has a tone of like you know old curmudgeon uh, at some at some point. Um, but it is a valid point. He said something along the lines of like there are all these uh, fresh snappers. Yeah, fresh fresh developers that are going around and uh, think that they're making great things. In reality, they're just making a giant mess. Uh, yeah, yeah. He he just he talks about um, if nobody is experienced on your team, that's what you're going to get, uh, or or the industry. And he said, and he was saying that like taking people out of their technical positions to promote them to managers is a bad thing for the industry because we don't have anybody experienced in technical positions anymore. So I feel we're we focused on going into management. Is there yeah, other parts of can, writing? Because like yeah, I guess the topic's supposed to be the counterpart. Yeah. I think I just find it easy to rant about management. It's a low-hanging fruit. Talking about the idea of actually maintaining. I mean, it's also, I guess I don't think about writing software for my entire career because I, you know, I take for granted that it's like change happens and it's probably unlikely. I just, I, you know, I can't fathom doing the same thing for 10 years, much less 20. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I want to keep doing it for the rest of my career, but at the same time, it's been the minority of my life, so I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I also Minor- think that software will be, I mean, I'm, you know, a believer that software will be a part of everything, too, so I think I won't ever, you know, hopefully, I don't think I'll ever stop being involved in software or writing software of some kind. I mean, yeah, well, because I think, I mean, I, I believe in the science fiction thing of, like, if you can't program GTFO. <laughs> Like you uh, can't, you know, you like won't be able to operate your microwave if you can't program. It's a science fiction thing. It's a it's a trope in lots of science fiction that, or at least there's a really good one that kind of exemplifies it in my mind called a uh, so Vernovich's Rainbow's End. So in Rainbow's End, there actually is a, you know, because of the advances of science, there's a man who had dementia who has been cured of it, um, and he basically wakes up to a. A world where everybody programs, everybody customizes their own interface with the world. And he basically has to go to like remedial community college in order to learn how to code and not be irrelevant. Uh, when he was, it's also kind of important to the story that he was a, a world-renowned uh, poet. But he can't, he can't, honest, I think he can't even like write anymore because he can't use the tools that people use to write. Oh, wow. Yesterday, but it's a really the, good book. Yesterday for the Hour of Code, uh, they showed President Obama programming. There's already my favorite meme of it from Hackathon Hackers of something about like, let's just write everything in Node.js. <laughs> I relate on that picture. Um, 
one that I saw was uh, wrote bubble sort, but didn't write unit test. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> oh, I saw I saw the same thing, but it was Obama broke the build. Thanks. Obama. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I, I want to think to myself that like has, imagine has that Piper he, done hour of code yet? Can you do baby uh, hour of code? She has not. We uh, we paired sometimes. We do more piano time <laughs> than keyboard time though. She can't really. All she sees is bright lights. Piano is really good. She likes hitting the keys. Are you going to to force your child to take piano lessons? I'm not going to force her. But I will. We will offer her. Yeah. I mean, before a certain age, you kind of force them. You like take them to piano lessons, and you're like, "Here, you are at piano lessons now." I did that, but then I didn't actually learn piano until I was twenty something. Oh, I mean, I, I did. Like, I did piano starting when I was five, and I think you know, five just, is one I of those. I thought you're just learning piano. I always do. You piano before? Well, yeah. So I I took piano lessons when I was uh, under ten for a couple years, and didn't really retain anything. And then after I. I guess graduated high school. Then I had a keyboard and decided I wanted to learn some songs and taught myself some stuff. And then like a month ago, I learned how to read sheet music. A month ago? Yeah. See, because I think, I mean, I know this is kind of in the, this, this quote, steam area of things, but I do think that learning music and to read music is, a, is kind of in the family of learning the logic of programming. Yeah, I, I should have learned the formal methods uh, a lot. Of learning early. to translate something in your head to something mm. written on the page to something that you do. Yeah, yeah. But most of my musicness, I guess, uh, with guitar or anything else, has been learn how to play a song and just memorize it. Um, or I think I learned like one scale <laughs> on guitar. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to learn how to read sheet music and play along while reading. Um, it's going, it's going slowly. But yes, uh, kids, I I, in, I don't know what Beth intends, but I intend to offer them lessons for whatever they want. Not really force them down a path. Ho- hopefully they can be interested on in their own. I don't know. Maybe I'll change my tune in a couple of years. You will go to practice. Has anybody ever done any like programming music stuff? Like uh, I think Closure has Overtone, is it called? Yeah. Well, I really liked the the new project in JavaScript that is really hard to say. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher it on purpose and just call it Lisa Juice, um, which when you see it written down, you'll probably think that's funny. Hopefully, <laughs> but it's uh, it's completely in the console. So literally, you can go to the website and then you just open the console and start uh, typing stuff. So compared to some of the other uh, programming music environments, it's a lot more accessible to get started. Can you spell and, uh, obviously, it's L I S S A J O U S. Okay. Obviously, Lisa Juice. It's not Lisa Juice. So I Google Lisa Juice and hope Google will find it. But <laughs> to see if it would correct it. Yeah. No, it does not. It it will give you like apparently Lisa glasses. But yeah, I like that programming music stuff. Justin. Mm. So so you do think that you will write software your entire career? I mean, I'd like to at this point. But I don't know what's going to happen. I think I'm trying to think of people that like are inspiring in that way. And Chad Fowler comes to mind where he has a lot of experience and kind of now he still writes code in more of like a leading a team or a company kind of role. Um, That seems like a really fun thing to do. Yeah, the argument for that role that I've heard is that you can't really scale yourself. And if you are able to lead a people, you can scale your experience. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, I, I just feel like I I have always needed a creative outlet, and programming is one of them for me my entire life. So I, I don't see myself uh, not doing something professionally that has that outlet. 
But who knows? Maybe I will die inside and just become a manager. There are also only two things. <laughs> oh, man. There's only two things that can put me into flow, and that's programming and video games. Yeah, video games is also an outlet for me, but I don't want to, like... You could be a professional gamer. <laughs> no, not at not at 30, trust me. <laughs> yeah. It's a sad thing, too. You're too slow at 30 to be a professional video game. Once you hit, like, 27, you're, uh, you're, what do they call them, fast fibers or whatever, start dying. Yeah. Wait, that you, like, your twitchy reflexes, like, aren't? Yeah, like, the older you get, like, your, your reflexes are slower, your mind is, like, a little bit slower. That sounds like uh, a great <laughs> excuse to work smarter and not harder. In a video game? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you need to be as fast as possible. You see people that start turning, like, 26 and 27, and they... The, well, Can't that's keep up. actually. What I don't think I believe it. I think it depends on the game too. But well, so what, you know, what you're, what you're saying uh, reminds me of there was a famous uh, StarCraft player uh, named, uh, or his ID was a uh, Slayer's Boxer, and he always said that uh, he wasn't as fast as a lot of people, so he had to think a lot differently and, and try to come up with like special tactics to 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 beat them. I think a couple of players have actually said that. But th- this is like late 20s. He was considering himself slow. <laughs> right. I mean, this is a game where one of the metrics of what you do is called your actions per minute. And my actions per minute are around 90, which I think sounds good. I'm doing more than one thing a second, but the top players are like doing 300, 350 things a minute. So that means every second they're doing like three things. <laughs> I was like, lying to Len that uh, same. paleo sucks because you can't toast anything. It's true. That was on our last podcast. Oh, yeah, comes you, useful. That. you know, you could also just not be paleo. You know, that's what I'm. I'm like halfish paleo. I'm like when it's convenient. See, you have to team vegetables. I think you should do vegetables. like two weeks of being super strict just to see what you feel like. And yeah, I know, know that, that. Know that you. Yeah, because then that can motivate you. Of like, you'll you'll know what it feels like when you're doing it right, and then you'll be like, if I don't do this, then I'll feel like crap. Yeah, yeah, I, I think we're planning to do that at some point. The trick is you need to get all the temptation food out of the house. Otherwise, I know for me, it, it cannot happen. Well, so Jervon uh, and Mike Ball came over for dinner a week ago. And Jervon was like, I really want cookies. And we have these from Trader Joe's. They have JoJo's and they dip them in chocolate for, for Christmas. And there's four flavors, peanut butter, ginger, candy cane mint, and double fudge. Uh, and they're really good. So we have them in boxes for, for gifts, like like neighbors and stuff or friends. Uh, and we opened one that night. And then we just last night finished the last one. We've been eating them for the past like two weeks because of that. Or week. Thanks, Javon. I just stocked up. <laughs> uh, so good, though. But yeah, if anything's in the house, then I'll eat it. Maybe if you could write software that manages people, it'd be like a loophole. <laughs> right, Jira? <laughs> yeah, you could be. Oh, no! I was actually thinking like I was thinking more evil of writing an AI to be the secret manager of everybody, and then you could just go do nothing. Although I think have we talked about this about the guy who a uh, software engineer who completely outsourced his job to China and just didn't do anything? Oh yeah, he actually had like three jobs and he outsourced yeah. all. Of them. <laughs> yeah, just like that. <laughs> I think it's just called consulting or <laughs> I guess that's what managers do, right? They they get projects and they find people to work on them yeah, on some level. He was just thinking way above his pay grade. I think we should do a part two of this. What does that mean? Like what more do you have to say about it? Maybe you should say right now. Yeah. I don't think I have anything else to say. Then why would we have a part two? <laughs> but I feel like there should be more said. Anybody have any plans for the coming week? So is it true? Yeah. Is it true? Yes. But if you don't use Emacs or Vim, you end up in management. 
<laughs> no, I think I think the quote was. I can all. remember. Wait, the quote. if you if you don't use Emacs for Vim, <clears throat> no, I think the quote was: "All good developers end up in Vim, Emacs, or." <laughs> there was some uh, some quote on those lines. Sorry, rate of picks. Pam, do you have a pick? Yeah, my pick, which I pretty sh- I should have brought up in the podcast, but it's this big beacon manifesto. Uh, as related to an article I read about a book that came out this year called the the new whole engineer or the whole professional something like that. Let me look that up. <laughs> yeah, a whole new engineer. The article is called a whole new prof- uh, the whole professional. Um, but that the the weaknesses of software engineering education as compared to what people I, I think it's relevant for actually the topic that we were talking about because in terms of wanting to do software I want it to be this kind of software that they talk about where the manifesto is you know that people are creative that they're you know it's a challenging experience that you're reflective that you're emotionally aware and competent uh that you're a team player, that you're educated and curious, and all these things. It's uh, so the manifesto is a is a deck, so don't judge it too harshly based on that. But I I think it's interesting in this the the a whole new engineer mentioned in this whole professional article, which you can read if you're awesome and also a member of the ACM like I am. Uh, and so a whole new engineer talks about that just how how behind education is and how that to to improve education for for computer for really kind of software craftsmen is the need to adopt a whole new kind of paradigm that's not really complemented in current academia hmm. but i think it's really interesting so i so my pick is leading with that big beacon manifesto followed by that whole professional article which you can read if you remember the acm how do you like your acm membership um you know i i renewed it uh, so one, it is really great if you do leverage the digital library that, I mean, that's kind of like their, their sticking point and how they get away with charging you a hundred bucks a year because it really is worth it to be able to get to all the papers. Okay. Um, and I do like the, the communications of the ACM as a, as a journal. And also I think there's something to be said about being part of, um, the, the computer science body. So, right. so. Cool. Uh, Javon, do you have a pick? Yep. Um, so I see, I've seen Justin use this tool that really annoyed me until I used it for some ghost stuff. Um, so the tool is called Selecta, and basically uh, it's a fuzzy selector in your terminal for folders. Well, no, um, it's, a, it's for anything, any any text. Oh, you could do it, anything that you pipe it to? Okay. Yes. It's very um, Unixy. That's cool. Uh, Yes, it's very useful. It's not annoying as I first thought it was, because <laughs> you would just, you wouldn't CD to anything. You just type this thing and just go to the directory. Uh, it seemed like a lot of work, but it's very useful if you have a complicated project directory, um, stuff like that. And I'm sure it's well written because it's by Gary Bernhardt. <laughs> I haven't looked at the source yet, but um, yeah. And then my music pick. Uh, what should I? So I recently discovered this artist called Birdie. Uh, I'm just gonna pick her all her music. It's a pretty chill. It's a birdie. Those are my picks. Let me put these in the show. So I'll, I'll elaborate on what Selecta does and what I use it for. It's a, yeah, it's a fuzzy finder that you pipe text into. So like you pipe text into like head or tail or grep, you can pipe it to Selecta and it will give you a screen that you can fuzzy type. Um, like if, if you're looking for the word uh, aardvark, you could type AD and it will find aardvark or something or AK or ARK. Um, I use it for four commands. I have code, go code, 
cookbook and branch. So I just type code and then it shows a list of every project I have in my, my home directory and the code directory. Uh, and then I just kind of fuzzy type what, what directory I want to go to and then press enter and it goes right there. Um, I also use it for my Go code because Go has a very specific file structure that needs to be in where you have a Go path and then source in that. And then inside that is your actual like uh, what's it called? Canonical, uh, like global name for your project. So mine, all my projects are github.com slash Justin Campbell slash something. So I like using that to find go projects and I also use it for Git branches. And I have a directory of chef cookbooks that I also find with this command. I'll also use it in place of grep sometimes. I just want to like, I want to grep for something, but I'm not sure what yet. So I'll like pipe it to this and then I'll start fuzzy typing stuff to kind of see what I get and then backspacing and changing it. So that's select a, the way it's written is it's one single file because it has to be fast. It's written in Ruby, and uh, but you can install it with uh, Homebrew. And it's not, it might be distributed as a gem, but he suggests not distributing it, not installing it as a gem because that would be a lot slower than, uh, than just running the Ruby script. Uh, my pick is, there's a developer on GitHub whose name I'm probably going to mispronounce, uh, Mitek Bach. Uh, his GitHub is M-I-E-T-E-K. Uh, he has a couple of projects, one of which is called Haskell on Heroku, and then the thing that powers that is called Hal Halcyon. Um, basically, it uses uh, Amazon S3 as a cache for your Haskell dependencies because Haskell takes a really long time to compile things. Um, so I guess it's almost like a static linker in a way um, where you build your project on a machine, and then when you push to Heroku, Heroku already has your compiled things to deploy so you can deploy in like 10 seconds instead of 10 minutes with haskell on heroku uh so that's haskell on heroku.com so how does it like do you have to set up s3 or you have to set up yeah environment variables that point to your s3 bucket and your aws credentials thank you for explaining that selector by the way yeah no problem i really like it i recommend it i also link to my dot files that have those functions in them Cool. So my pick is Pocket Casts. I think I've previously picked Overcast, and I'm rescinding that uh, because Pocket Casts is my favorite podcast player. Uh, it's very pretty. Uh, has a lot more features. You can actually stream and listen to, to podcasts, which you can't do in Overcast. Um, and my favorite uh, aspect of it is that there's a web player, and it syncs to the web player which I actually really like to be able to just add podcasts that I listen to on my computer and not have to uh, like pull out my phone and, and search for podcasts when I, I stumble upon one on the internet. So uh, I'll link to the App Store link in the show notes. Uh, speaking of which, show notes are at turing.cool slash 31. You can uh, reach out to us on Twitter at turingcool, and I'll uh, talk to you guys next week. Thanks. Bye. Bye.